1: Today's topic is about brain plasticity and how to change your brain. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is is Dr. Michael Merzenich. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Dr. Michael Merzenich is one of the scientists responsible for our current understanding of brain plasticity, the notion that the brain can change itself at any age. For nearly five decades, he and his colleagues have conducted seminal research defining the functional organization of the auditory and somatosensory nervous systems. Research on cortical plasticity conducted in his laboratory has greatly contributed to our current understanding of the phenomenology of brain plasticity across the human lifetime. Dr. Merzenich has received numerous prestigious awards and prizes for his research and holds nearly 100 patents for his work. He's a member of both the National Academy of Sciences and the Institute of Medicine. In 2016, he was awarded one of the world's top neuroscience prizes, the Kavli Prize, for his achievements in the field of brain plasticity. Dr. Merzenich, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show.
2: Well, it's very nice to be with you and with all of your listeners, Gary.
1: So, Dr. Merzenich, I think a great place to start is just simply talking about what is brain plasticity. Because I think a lot of people still don't quite understand what that means, and they might not even be familiar with that term.
2: Well, the brain changes, Gary, physically and functionally as you use it. It changes its wiring as you improve at any ability, or or as you acquire any new ability. And those wiring changes, you could say those that remodeling really accounts for the origin of that ability or that improvement of ability. But it's more than that, Carrie, because it's not just changing its wiring. When you engage it, it's also changing in a whole series of other physical ways that relate to your health, to its health. You know, don't, don't think very much about the organic health of the brain, but it's plastic just like in a sense your your body health is plastic you know you you engage in physical activity in order to sustain it and so too you need to engage in physical activity in order to you, know, me, physical, you could say physical mental activity in order to sustain your brain
1: one of the things that we were told growing up is that you know you're kind of born with a brain that you're born with right. uh, when you're learning as a child as a, as a toddler uh that your brain is really growing at that point and then you reach a certain age and then that's just it for the rest of your life you just have what you have for your brain for the rest of your life and so what we know about the research that's happening in the last 5, 10, 15 years it's so exciting the possibilities for brain health at this point.
2: Right Carrie how wrong we were you know the notion (laughs) that the brain the, the basic model was that the brain grew up and reached a mature form before you ever you could say entered the schoolhouse door and and from that point forward to the end of life it was it was hardwired, it was fixed like the, like a computer on your desk. Nothing could really physically change about it except that it could deteriorate. but other than that it, it, it basically was uh, you could say permanently wired and and, and and all of its elements were the function was defined, and that was just completely wrong. We now know the brain, it actually is continually changing on a massive scale and continuously changing. There are, there are literally quadrillions of moments of change in a brain across your lifetime. And in fact, you could say plasticity is its big trick. This this, this capacity to change itself is a big trick. And the other thing that we, we've we come to understand is, is that that change is, of course, physical. You know, it's physical. It, you're actually changing things structurally, things chemically in your brain. And uh, and this is occurring throughout your life and, and relates very strongly to your capacities, of course, to what you're good at and, uh, and, your, and, and what is subject to improvement, which is almost everything. And it also relates to the health of the organ. And so actually what you do with your brain relates very directly to its health.
1: And so one of the things that, as you were talking about that, it gives me the impression that listeners out there should have hope, no matter where're at on the scale of brain health or brain decline, they should have some level of hope because things can change.
2: Well, there's two things that I, I want I wish everybody understood, and And one is is that no matter what your situation, your brain gives you the great ability you could say to be better or stronger more capable tomorrow as compared with today and significantly more capable a week from now or a month from now, th- your brain is plastic. And and, and it's subject to, to change as a function of, of, of how you engage it. Of course, it's important that you understand what it's asking you to do to drive it in an improving or strengthening direction. And uh, the second thing, you know, everyone should understand is that they are, in fact, a work in progress. Wherever they are in this point of life, they're they're actually continually adapting, continually changing, continually, hopefully, growing. So you have the capacity to continue to grow in your abilities, to continue to elaborate them and strengthen them. You could say all across the course of your life, and you should be doing that. You should be using your gauge brain in ways that continue to strengthen it, that keep it strong and vigorous and healthy, just like a person with any sense is also uh, trying to apply that to trying to sustain the health of their body.
1: So our conversation today is especially important for listeners out there who have or have loved ones with cognitive decline, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, patients that have or have loved ones with, um, anxiety, depression, uh, mental health issues, children that have autism, that have ADD, ADHD, um, people that have concussion or history of concussion. What else, Dr. Merzenich?
2: Well, it, does really, it really doesn't really matter what your systems <laughs> are. <laughs> you know, your brain is plastic. You should, you should think about it that way. You are subject to correction and improvement. Your neurology can move in an improving or you could say uh, normalizing direction if you're really struggling. And 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 uh, so the critical thing is is that you find ways in your life to try to sustain your your yourself and to try to improve yourself. You know, I I suggest to everyone that they think about ways that they can calibrate themselves and on the basis of that calibration drive themselves in what is in, in improving or correcting direction. Insofar as they're 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 they're, they're, they're able and. Uh, everyone should adopt those strategies in their life when they're struggling, when they have vicissitudes in their life. And that you know, people think that uh, you know they're very unfortunate to have something happen to them neurologically or psychiatrically, but actually the majority of us do have these problems in our lifetimes. So you could say abnormal is normal, and and when something happens to you that is a setback from the point of view of your ability to operate, you could say neurologically or behaviorally. Uh, Think about that as a challenge. Your brain is plastic. You can do something about it. Uh, Get busy and and work hard and try to work at driving yourself in an improving direction because you can improve your situation, potentially a lot.
1: So I've had Dr. Uh, Dale Bredesen on the podcast, and we spoke about his protocol for reversing cognitive decline, and I've had Dr. Uh, Perlmutter on the podcast as well, and and so we know that it's really important to feed the brain properly, to feed the body, right. and that helps your brain. Oh, absolutely. And that physical fitness is also very important. Oh
2: yes, absolutely. These you could call this these the triumvirate. The third the third limb is to engage your brain directly in direct exercise, and uh, that's another way of saying that you need to engage it in ways that that drive its machinery in action. Uh, you to to, in, to that can help it uh, you could say physically restore itself and grow in in its capabilities and controlling more and more complex and elaborate and useful behaviors
1: so as you're saying the the most important aspect of this is to challenge your brain, right. and uh brain h q your latest invention helps people do this.
2: Right. It's really designed it's different from sort of classically how you think about uh engaging a brain classically, which is through you know, people thought think of weakness in the brain in behavioral terms. They say, you know, well, I can't remember, so therefore I need to adopt strategies or I need to use tools that would practice remembering. Well we we look at it in a deeper neurological level, Carrie, and we're really looking at the at the at the neurology and what we're trying to do is to strengthen the fundamental neurology. So our our strategies are really based upon scientific studies, in which we we understand, on the basis of these studies, how to drive the brain in a healthward direction, in a way that strengthens its overall functional capacities. You can, if you th- think of it as a machine, you could say, how can you how can you, uh, you know, improve the char- operational characteristics of the machine in general? So that's what Brain HQ is about. BrainHQ HQ engages the machine in ways that change it, the brain, to improve its general powers. So it, it recovers its processing fidelity, its accuracy of operations, its speed of operations, its reliability of operations, its powers in making... Uh, in doing complex things across serial time, all kinds of things that are critical to everything you do, every way you use it. So we're trying to improve the characteristics of, of the brain in ways that improve everything you do as you engage it. That's what Brain HQ is all about.
1: So I describe Brain HQ to my patients as, well, first of all, for the listeners out there that don't know Brain HQ, this is all an online platform. You, don't, right. you go to brainhq.com and um, sign yourself up right. and, and there's basically a series of exercises that you go through, brain right. challenges right. and what you don't know is in the background all of that technology that Dr. Merzenich and his team worked on, in the background the the algorithm of the computer is basically monitoring your answers, how fast you click, if you click right or wrong and kind of mapping your brain in a way Right. So that the computer can tell what areas of your brain are strong and what areas of your brain need more help and more to be challenged.
2: Right. And, And it's basically adjusting as you train to try to make the most of your time spent in training.
1: To always work on the weak areas. Exactly. To make them stronger.
2: Right. Exactly. It's trying to drive you from wherever you are in a continuous and highly efficient way to a stronger position.
1: It's just an amazing phenomenal program.
2: Well, it's uh, it's been used to the advantage of, of many, many hundreds of thousands of people who and it's carried it carried can carry almost everyone to a significantly higher level of performance that contribute that translates to an improvement of their brain health.
1: And I always explain to my patients that Brain HQ is going to continually challenge you, so you're never going to win at the game. It's always yeah. going to challenge you to your level, the level that you need.
2: This is a little frustrating to some people because they always think that they should be able to master, you know, whatever they're up to and uh, and perform flawlessly. But actually, Carrie, we know that when you, when you basically solve anything or can deal with any problem in, in a with uh, without making errors, without, when you're when it's easy for you, in a sense, nothing changes in your brain. So we know the ideal conditions for you could say driving the brain in, in, in an enduring way in a positive direction, and it's set to always do that. So it's always challenging. If it's not challenging, nothing changes in your brain when you engage it. The brain is smart enough to know, in a sense, that, uh, that uh, it's only going to change when it matters to it. It's only going to change when you could say things are serious.
1: And so can you explain how brain HQ is different from some of those other online brain training programs?
2: Well, it's different in in in, 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 in two ways, and one I related to briefly before, well actually in many ways, but one is and that is that it's 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 more you could say sort of deeply neuroscience based. Uh, classically brain training came from psycho psychology uh, psychological studies in which the target was the sort of complex behavior way to think about it is is that if if you're depressed the psychologist looks at your depression and says what do i need to fix and 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 what they think they need to fix of course intuitively i don't mean to to demean this because this tremendous positive things have come from these practices basically but what they try to do is weaken the depression They say in a sense to the patient in front of them, don't be so depressed. Let's train you not to be so depressed, right? But you could look at this neurologically and you say what's distorted in the brain of someone that's suffering from this depression and you find that there are five or six brain systems that are distorted in their operations. And the distortions in those brain systems are more fundamental. And the cumulative consequence of all of them operating in their abnormal way is your depression. Well, they're all fixable, in a sense. They're all you could, you could look at any one of those systems that are dysfunctional, and you can say, how can I correct it neurologically? And it takes a different form of practice, a different form of engagement, a different form of training to accomplish that. And that's what Brain HQ is based on. It's based upon, you could say, neurological strengthening or neurological correction, as opposed to behavioral strengthening or behavioral correction. And Kerry, when you if you really did fix the brain, really did normalize it, then you'd be good. It, you'd, you'd make the behavioral correction. But you'd make it in a sort of more complete and more natural way. And that's really what we're trying to do with Brain HQ. And uh, the, the, the second way that Brain HQ is different from almost every other brain training strategy is that uh, we've incredibly inten- uh, uh, <laughs> intensely uh, focused on Scientific uh, validation and scientific evaluation of its effectiveness in all kinds of ways. So there's there there are, there are uh, several hundred studies that have been in which it's been used to apply to different clinical indications. Uh, right now in the world, uh, many of these studies, in most the majority of these studies in the U.S. or Canada, there are almost 300 university-based research studies underway in which brain HQ is being applied to deal with people that have different uh, neurological struggles. So it's been very, very intensively studied, investigated, vetted. And in in, in virtually every one of these studies, the engagement of the brain with the use of this class of tool has resulted in very substantial behavioral correction or improvement of neurological correction or improvement in these individuals that are struggling with a wide variety of neurological conditions and, and struggles.
1: And so, Dr. Merzenich, in the research, are patients using Brain HQ for, like, hours and hours a day?
2: No. no, no nobody, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to – that would be – in general, it's uh, uh, somewhere between uh, – uh, ten and and uh, minutes and maybe sixty minutes a day. Uh, and uh, it, it is highly it, it is very important that you 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 do use it regularly. I would say the most common application is to engage in daily exercises that are twenty or thirty minutes in in duration. And, uh, but it needs to be applied over a substantial period of time. You can think of it like physical exercise. I mean, you, you need a level of intensive engagement, carried to actually drive enduring changes. You know, you can't get anything for free in exercising your brain just like you can't get anything for free in exercising your body. It takes a significant level of ongoing effort. But 20 or 30 minutes a day can be incredibly valuable to, 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 to your brain across a period of time in strengthening your recovery
1: so that's very doable for people out there that's and very it, easily doable and I know in brain HQ you can set a reminder for yourself that brain HQ will send you an email reminder saying hey it's time to do your brain HQ today
2: that's right and and, uh, and uh, it's time very well spent because we know that if you if you if once you get up to uh, Five or 10 or 15 or 20 hours of engagement across a period of days, you know, almost everyone will perceive positive changes occurring in their operational abilities in their life and those changes are cumulative across time. I mean, it can make a major difference in your life and very substantially contribute to assuring that your brain is in a healthy state going forward.
1: And then in Brain HQ, there are some parameters, some values, and it will give you a rating of how you're doing now. Right. And then you do your Brain HQ every day, 20, 30 minutes. And over time, you should see your rating improve.
2: Exactly. You can go to, and that's what I strongly suggest people do, that is to say they calibrate themselves. They say, how, how, do I, how am I doing relate, relate, related to other people of my age or how am I doing uh, at this at the outset of my engagement? And then, of course, across time, I expect to improve my situation in relation to other people of my age. And what I like to do is I like to compare my performance with the performance of the average uh, thirty or forty-year-old. I'm I'm uh, seventy-five, Carrie. That's a that's a secret, but. I'm 75, so I like to compare myself with the performance abilities of a brain of a younger person. And uh, as long as I keep myself there, I'm pretty confident that I'm I'm in a basically neurologic and substantially neurologically secure position. And and uh, over time with effort, I can I found that I can keep myself there.
1: And so then, Doctor Marzina, can you talk about some of the research as far as some of the findings? I know in um, one of the lectures uh, of yours that I was listening to or watching, I should say video, um, you were talking about driving ability and less accidents.
2: Right. Well, people, uh, scientists, uh, the studies were initiated uh, by a scientist in, 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 in the University of Alabama at Birmingham, uh, and uh, they basically demonstrated with that with 10 hours of training using particular Brain aged uh, cube program the program is called double decision on brain HQ uh, in individuals over 65 there's there's a fifty percent reduction in driver caused uh, traffic accidents well, that's pretty significant and but the use of brain HQ that was required to achieve that was 10 hours of training. so they worked at 10 hours on this exercise and what they saw is over the period of the subsequent five years. A fifty percent reduction in driver caused driving accidents wow we we've we've applied this training in thousands of drivers with with in in studies that have been supported by um, automobile insurers, and we've seen the same thing. We've seen that across time there's a dramatic reduction like this in driver caused traffic accidents. so people just cause lots a <laughs> lot, lot less havoc they're just under a lot better control of course because you can demonstrate in a variety of ways that they're neurologically strengthened by this training what the training does is it it helps them see the world in front of them much more completely and to respond to to it much more accurately and rapidly so when something happens in their in the you know you could say the fast world of moving things in front of them in driving they're they're back like a, a young person again making accurate decisions that, that lead to fast responses, responses that are appropriate to the situation. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're restored to the driving ability of a young person. And, uh, and that's relatively easy to achieve by intensive training. Now, in the same studies, in extension, the scientist, uh, other scientists in this group also demonstrated that with the same 10 hours of training, People performing everyday tasks like um, you know, finding something, looking up a, a number, in a, or looking at finding something in a book or you know that uh, visually guided tasks like this. People were twice as fast after training than before training. So imagine that you're a 70-year-old or a 60-year-old and you're doing something in, in, in everyday life. Uh, wouldn't it be nice to be twice as fast at it? And that's basically what they see. They see this doubling of speed. In people doing so, the uh, pokiness that applies to an older person, you know, can be overcome by by improving their neurological performance, so that the brain is fast again as it was as it was when you're younger. But carry the most important finding of these studies is that if people did this training for ten hours, and then a year later they trained for another two to four hours, and then two years later they trained for another. Two to four hours. So think about that. Ten hours on a computer at the start. And then a year later, they performed two to four hours. That's not really a whole lot. And then two years later, two to four more hours. And now we look out seven years later, and we find that in those individuals, the occurrence of the onset of dementia, of Alzheimer's disease, was cut in half. So an incredibly powerful consequence of a relatively limited period of training on the computer using these training tools in the lives of these individuals moving from their 75th to their 85th birthday. And uh, imagine if they had continued to train and kept themselves you know, operating at speed and with accuracy all across this period. We know that now that this reduction in, in uh, onset of dementia will be substantially greater so this is something that we're intensively studying now in very large populations of, of individuals that are using these programs, Carrie. We're pretty sure that we can, if, if not prevent the onset of dementia, we can certainly very substantially delay progression to dementia using these training tools.
1: Well, even just, as you were saying, even just delay is a huge win right there, just delay.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we all, we all, we're all for delay. And, and, and maybe we can manage brain health at more routinely in ways that can keep people safe um, more or less indefinitely. That's our dream. So what we're now trying to do is we're trying to tell people calibrate, act when necessary, continue to calibrate, continue to check yourself and to try to keep your brain operational on a level in which your performance is like the performance of a much younger person. Try to keep yourself there. And uh, that's just a highly recommended personal strategy. And also think about it in terms of your own lifestyle. We haven't talked about lifestyle very much, uh, Carrie, but a lot of these improvements can be can also be driven away from the computer, of course, coming from how you lead your, and live your life.
1: Yeah, so um, challenging your brain in different ways, learning a new language, learning a new hobby. Right. Uh, physical fitness as far as learning maybe yoga or tai chi
2: right right Uh, people think about physical fitness in terms of of uh, sort of physical actions in your brain but but think about the the, uh, the the brain is controlling your actions And any engagement in which you're elaborating them, in which you're uh, continually changing them or challenging yourself to use the the controlling powers of the brain, you could say, to, to enable you to do new things with your body, that's all exercising your brain as well as your body. So when you have these classes of exercise that engage both brain and body, of course, you're exercising them both in a positive way.
1: When I was watching you speak on your PBS special... You gave multiple examples of how we can challenge ourselves. That we yep. can we can learn <clears throat> new things. We can take, uh, you know, we can go to a university or a college and and take courses. We could um, learn how to play an instrument. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, there's just that. That's just uh, endless.
2: Uh, but, continue, your brain is begging you. You know, you can say to be. A please use alert. me. <laughs> <laughs> and not just not just new information, but but also new skills, you know, new new abilities, and and to elaborate abilities that you you've always loved or enjoy, you know, think about don't think about yourself as being a, a simply a performer in life. Think about you as being a learner in life. Think about your, you as elaborating those skills. I mean, maybe you've always played tennis. Uh, be a better one, or take up doubles, or do something that challenges you you could say to elaborate elaborate your abilities
1: so there's many different ways we can challenge ourselves physically mentally brain hq is another one of those ways so it's my understanding that we have a whole uh, scope of people who use brain hq from elite athletes to patients with uh, parkinson's and alzheimer's and so everybody can get some benefit from it
2: Right. Uh, well, one way it has been used is to improve performance in high performers. You know, our our primary focus has been on helping people that are beginning to struggle or, or in various ways uh, because of their, uh, of their neurological psychiatric misfortune are really struggling. But, but, but uh, it's also been used in high performers, as you say. So we've trained policemen, we've trained athletes, we've trained a variety of people that have high demands in performance. Including people that are at the top of their game, so the the great uh, English soccer star that uh, that was uh, just won the uh, the World Cup award as the uh, outstanding player is using BrainHQ. Uh, Tom Brady, the uh, the uh, the great uh, quarterback for the New England Patriots, is an advocate of Brain HQ. A number of of uh, highest level football players, the basketball players, for example, use this training program. Uh, to their what what they believe to be their substantial advantage, so so you could think about about it. Every, the important thing to understand, Kerry, for people to understand is that everyone is improvable. It really doesn't matter what, what where, where your platform of performance is. You could be better, stronger, more capable at whatever is important to you. Uh, next week, next year, a lot. If you engage your brain and drive it, you could say in a, in a continuously strengthening and improving direction.
1: And then from a medical standpoint, are there any contraindications for brain HQ? Will anybody using brain HQ get worse? Is that even possible?
2: We know of none. and, and it's specifically designed uh, and, and you know this has been incredibly widely uh, vetted and, and applied. And we know that we can drive, you, you know, I could create a program on the basis of our science that would drive the brain in a weakening or, or degrading direction because plasticity in the brain is bidirectional. But, of course, Brain HQ is, is constructed with that knowledge, with that understanding of the rules that apply to brain plasticity. So there are things that a person can do that will drive their brain in a negative direction in their everyday life or how they engage their brain. But, of course, in a, in a constructed program like Brain HQ, that cannot occur.
1: So, Dr. Morzenich, we just have a few more minutes left. Is there anything else you want to say about Brain HQ or about neuroplasticity in general?
2: Well, uh, Carrie, uh, one way that a person could get more information about this science and, uh, and, and maybe have a better understanding of how it might apply to them and to their life would be to read a book I've written. The book is called Soft Wired then it's probably easiest to to, uh, to get, it, to get the, this book on Amazon.com. But it would help guide a person basically both to understand more about this science and to understand how I, I would attempt to help them translate this science and applying it, you could say, to their benefit. Everyone should be taking advantage of the fact that they have this great gift. I mean, it's a fabulous thing. You know, your plastic brain is the basis of the genesis of the person you are. But that person is a work in progress. It can be better, stronger, more interesting, more, more, more vital. And also, people should understand that their brain is begging for exercise, just like their body. And you need to exercise it on some level directly. You need to use it in ways that strengthen it and they should understand that that exercise changes it physically. It's not just a mental organ, it's a physical organ. It's an organ in your body that is subject to being unhealthy just like your body. If you don't exercise, it will be unhealthy. So um, Brain HQ is an important tool to use to, to help you calibrate how you're doing and basically to help you sustain its health. But also, Carrie, think about how you're living your life and try to think about how you could live life t- to the advantage of your brain. And again, that's the, the book software might help you. And hopefully some of the things that you're, you've heard in this program can help you, guide you to, to, uh, to adopting a lifestyle that, that is good for both your brain and your body.
1: And Dr. Merzenek, how can our listeners find out more about you and where, to, where do they go to learn Brain HQ?
2: Well, if you go to brainhq. dot com, you'll find a lot of information about it, and how it's constructed, and the science that relates to it. And again, probably the best place to learn more about me might be to read the book Softwired. Because, uh, uh, but also you can find a lot of information about this on the web, and uh, and uh, and including on the web are you, it's pretty easy to find uh, lectures that I've given about this subject and uh, and. Uh, that's another way to gather information about this subject, which is important to everybody.
1: And you also have a, uh, a website for your book, SoftWired.
2: I do. And it's meant to elaborate not just about the book, but it's also meant to provide uh, annotation for the book that, uh, that, that uh, summarizes uh, the scientific evidence behind the arguments in the book.
1: So for the listeners out there, I'll make sure to find all of those links to all of these resources so that you can easily find them. And then um, I also, I highly recommend when you're scrolling through your uh, TV channel guide to look for uh, Dr. Merzenich's uh, PBS special. It's really, really excellent. Dr. Merzenich, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has just been an awesome interview.
2: Well, Carrie, it was great fun and, uh, and uh, it's nice to be with your audience and uh, get busy, uh, all of you men and women out there, in, uh, in thinking about your brain as something that whose health you should be concerned about and, uh, and take action.
1: All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the, Functional Medi- of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Michael Merzenich, and I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today, and I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone.